This is the Florida Horse Podcast, presented by the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association. This edition, Tammy Gant, Associate Vice President of Member Services and Events, is joined by Brent and Crystal Fernand of Journeyman Stud to discuss the impact of the Florida Sire Stakes. Here's part one. Hello, welcome to the Florida Horse Podcast brought to you by the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association. This is our second podcast and we're very excited today. I'm Tammy Gant and I'm joined here with Crystal Fernung and Brent Fernung from Journeyman Bloodstock Services. Welcome. All right. It's nice to be here. It's good to see you guys today. So one of our topics today is the Florida Sire Stakes, which you know very, very well. In fact, Brent, you know so well that I think you actually know how the Florida Sire Stakes got started. Yeah, I was just fortunate enough that I was working for Dan Lassiter at Lassiter Farm uh, about 1979, I believe, and went into the office one day, which I was wont to do because I always wanted to hang around them guys and see what I could learn about the horse industry. And uh, we Dan got to talking about how many Lassiter-bred horses were winning races all over the country. And he said, you know what? We should have a race of our own. He said, I think that's a good idea. I'm going to call Kenny No. So he calls Kenny, and he says, Kenny, I want to have a Lassiter farm stakes down there. And Kenny was a little brusque like he could be. And he said, well, no, you can't do that. He said, pretty soon you'd have everybody in Ocala want to have their own stake race. And so Dan says, well, just let them all run in my race and we'll beat them. And so that from that germ of an idea came the Florida Stallion Stakes, which I would point out the first four races that was run were win by Lassiter farm bred horses too. <laughs> wow. What a, what a coincidence, huh? It's amazing though. Cause when I, I met you and you told that story, it's like, you know, you always wonder who the fly is on the wall that heard, you know, how the germ of something began. And to know that was in 1982, I believe is when the Florida stallion stakes was formed. And then in 2012, it became the Florida sire stakes here at FTBA and we, we managed that. So it's amazing. And then it's $1.4 million in purses with 200 granders, a couple 200 granders, and then uh, the 400 granders that lead into um, hopefully the prep for the Breeders' Cup. So it's it's really exciting. It really is. And so I know you've had stallions that um, have been just leaders in the Florida Sire Stakes series. So you want to talk a little bit why you chose the stallions you chose and, and how meaningful that is to have your progeny and then horses in the Sire Stakes? Well, you know, when you choose stallions, you're, you're looking at them basically as a you know, a prospect. Mm-hmm. And basically what you got to work with is pedigree, talent, race record, and looks. And so we try to get a, you know, we'll fudge a little bit on pedigree if we need to. And we can even fudge a little bit on looks. Yeah. But the one thing you can't fudge on is talent. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we do is we want to make sure that the horse we choose is extraordinarily talented. And now, with that in mind, we can't spend $10 million on a stallion. Those all end up in Lexington. But what we can do is find a horse that maybe didn't quite get to show his ability to a full extent. A horse like Kozon, for instance, who only ran twice but was really destined to be a great horse if he had stayed sound. Uh, Another one would have been Wildcat Air, which Wildcat Air was very, very talented but only ran twice as a two-year-old didn't get back to the races till he was four and up went in a grade one stake as a four-year-old but by then you know all the 
sexy horses had already been retired. Yeah, I, and that's one thing I noticed that when you do your stallion shows or you talk to clients that, that you always talk about those three things. Those three things are very important, and part of that is looking for that value point to have the right stallion in the right position at the right time, and you've had such great success. I mean, many Stallion of the Year awards for both horses, for Wildcat Air and for Cozon, and I believe Wildcat Air still has progeny. Um, since it's passing that are still out there winning you breeders awards which is incredible and so when you look at them and you say okay he's going to be a horse that could um, produce florida sire stakes horses um, what was it about him specifically said it looks like he could throw precocious two-year-olds or were you like you say looking for that there's some talent but we didn't see it yet well he was incredibly fast and when he did break his maiden before i think he fractured a coffin bone and his second start as a two-year-old, but he went first time out. He did it like a very precocious horse would, and that was really the key to him was I knew that with the two-year-old market and the two-year-old uh, racing at the Florida Stallion Stakes, I knew that he would come out with guns blazing. I think he had 39 two-year-old winners in his first crop, and that was from maybe 67, 68 starters. It was an incredible number. Yes, incredible, worth repeating, 39. I mean, that's that's huge. I think anyone would say if I stood a stallion and had that kind of record out the gate, then we're looking pretty good for that career of that horse. Yeah, and he was an, as a matter of fact, I think that's still a North American record. Now, I could be wrong because anymore they breed 250 mares to some of these horses, but 39 is a lot of winners. Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk a little bit about the Florida Sire Stakes. You've traveled down there. What's that atmosphere like? And when you have a horse in the race, what's that feel like? Nervous, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, you going down there, it's, there's such a energy there during those Sire Stakes races. And it's fun when you're sitting there and you're looking, even if you do have horses in there, whether they're yours or sired by your horse, when you look down through there and you see the all the horses that are entered and who the breeders are and they're your friends, you know, so you're, you're going, Oh, there's so-and-so and, you know, and Oh, that'd be really, if I can't win, I want them to win. And, you know, so it's kind of a family kind of thing. You know, we're from this not so small anymore town, but Ocala and everybody knows everybody and you've been in the industry together for so long. So it's, it's just so inclusive to so many people that you know, care about, that are your friends, people that have bred to your stallions. And, you know, you've sat there and talked with, you know, should I breed her and what's, you know, how does the match work and all that stuff. So it's a culmination of a couple of years of history to get there. But, yeah, I think they do a great job. And FTBOA does a great job of presenting including members in the industry and even just fans to go down there. You guys have always done a great job of promoting that series down there. Thanks. Yeah, there's like a camaraderie. I feel like there's competition, yes. But if your horse doesn't win, you're still rooting for your friends. Mm -hmm. And then I love the feeling of the energy behind it because we're all here and everybody's going in all different directions, prepping horses for sale. We've got breeding and all sorts of things going on here. And then five hours away, we go to the track and there's such a different energy because like you say, it's like the fruits of our labor, seeing the horses on the track and then the nervousness that goes with it and excitement. And then just the backdrop of being like in a, a cosmopolitan city of Miami and showcasing the horses to the world. Right. You know, the Florida Sire Stakes at Gulfstream Park is pretty special. And then, of course, Tampa, which is a whole different feeling for yeah, sure. It's a whole different feeling. But for somebody who stands stallions, it's like you want to root for your horse to win, but 
you get to root for everybody else's horse to win too because you know it benefits you makes your stallion more valuable so for somebody who stands stallions you've got multiple reasons to be there and cheer and, and another reason, honestly, is the financial reason, right? Because um, even though you might not own the progeny that's running, you're still going to get a breeder's award as far as a stallion's award um, if that horse wins, which I think if you want to talk a little bit about stallion awards and what that means to someone that might want to stand a stallion here. Well, I think that any time you can get a 15% kicker on winning a stake race isn't awful nice thing it's a gift that keeps on giving it's kind of like breeders awards in that way um you know we fortunately we bred a horse that by the name of pay any price that won nine stake races over his time unfortunately he didn't get to the florida florida sire stakes but he won nine stake races over that time and every time he'd win one of these hundred thousand dollar races we'd get a fifteen thousand dollar check for winning it, plus a ten thousand dollar check for a breeder's award. So it, this horse was producing twenty five thousand dollars at a time when, and it was during a time when things was really strapped. That money mm-hmm. came in very important. But a horse like that winning, he made three quarters of a million and produced maybe two hundred thousand in stallion breeders awards. That's amazing, and I think you hit on something that that sometimes those. Those little bitty bonuses help um, create the incentive to stay in the business sometimes when it gets a little tight, like during a recession or just other things that may happen um, with the ebb and flow of an industry. And so those um, bits, I think, is a reason why we have such a large population of small breeders in our state, because these incentives, um, you know, when you win, you get paid the next month, which some states aren't able to do. And so to know my horse won and I get a bonus on top of that, if I'm a Florida bred, but then I also can get a breeder's award and maybe even a bonus Florida Sire Stakes because those $2,500 and $5,000 bonuses are sprinkled throughout the, the racing schedule is huge. It's just really huge. Yeah, the greatest thing about that is is that that's money that you earn that has no counterbalance to it. You're not paying out anything after once the horse is sold or transferred. You're, you're just getting money kind of like a gift in the mail. That's a great way to look at it because zero expense at that point and it's all the revenue. So one of the things too, which is really interesting with the Sire Stakes, is that there was the Wildcat Air Stakes named in honor of Wildcat Air. Mm-hmm. And then we have a nice legacy of how that was Wildcat Air and now has changed to um, the Gil Campbell Memorial Stakes. And so what did it mean to you when Wildcat Air had a, a race named after him? And then the significance that it carries through into someone we honor in our industry. Well, I... W- we were very pleased when they named it the Wildcat Air Stakes. It was nice. Uh, he was a wonderful horse. He uh, was kind of like our centerpiece for everything we've done. And we were very attached to him emotionally as well. So that was great. But it was even greater when they changed it to the Gilbert Campbell Memorial Stakes because Gil was a great guy. Yeah, and he was one of the top supporters in the Florida Sire Stakes program. And so, you know, just one of the the leaders for many, many years. And I remember um, when it used to be the Stallion Stakes at Calder, and they would come down to the winner's circle. And all of us in Miami would get excited to see the breeders in the winner's circle. We're like, there's Gil Campbell again. And there's, you know, all the people throughout the years. And and even Fred Bry would come down to watch his horses run with Jacks or Better. And for a little bit, there was always like, oh, they're coming down and winning these big purses and going back. And we're like, but no, they're 
the reason that our track exists because all these Florida breads and sire steaks horses are running on these grounds. And then now we have Gulfstream and, and Tampa, a part of that legacy, which is, is really incredible. And you know, with, with Gill and Marilyn, one thing that I think would be appropriate to, because of the way his story started with how the FSS started with mm -hmm. Lasseter Farm, that's how long ago we met them. Oh, wow. It was way back in Lasseter Farm days. So it wasn't like, you know, we just met him in the last five years or 10 years. You know, we met him when we were down here as, you know, in our 20s. And he'd been a staple part of, you know, big supporter of us and always had nice things to say. And, you know, they're just, they're just such a stellar couple, you know, that have done so much for this industry and have really stepped up and and to me been huge supporters of the breeding industry in Florida. I think that's one of the things that gets lost sometimes is the breeding end of the industry, you know, that how important that is no matter where you are, whether it's in Florida or Kentucky or wherever, you know, you have to have breeders to have horses and they've always produced such wonderful horses. That's yeah, and it's hard to think that because you think it's a very modest farm out in Williston, Stonehedges, and most people don't even think about it when you're in Ocala because it's it's in Williston, which mm -hmm. isn't far. And then you know you talk a little bit, and it's hard. I, I don't want to tear up, but to talk about the loss of a legend like Gil Campbell because. Mm -hmm. And all of us are touched in some way and he, they've left this legacy and Marilyn's on our board to continue that legacy and the farm is continuing. But I remember, like you said, many years ago, looking that like, this is the person that if I want to be in the industry, I want to make an impact like that. Right. And, and he really did. And so it does honor him to have that, that memorial race. And I think, um, you know, was hit hard months later at the golf tournament that we had, our charity golf tournament, when his team won, the Stonehenge golf team won. And the first thing and last thing they said was they just raised the trophy to the sky and said, this one's for you, Gail. And it was just emotional, yeah. ran through the crowd. I'm getting goosebumps now. But it was, again, one of those things where um, everything's right in the world when you can honor a person like that. Absolutely. So, yes, we were very happy to see the Wildcat Air turn into the Gil Campbell. We'll sign off today. Thank you so much for joining our podcast too. I'm here with guests Brent and Crystal Fernung of Journeyman Bloodstock Services. Have a good day.